Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SALT Talks. My name is John Darcy. I'm the Managing Director of SALT, which is a global thought leadership forum and networking platform at the intersection of finance, technology, and public policy. SALT Talks are a digital interview series with leading investors, creators, and thinkers. And our goal on these SALT Talks is the same as our goal at our SALT Conference series, which is to provide a window into the mind of subject matter experts as well as provide a platform for what we think are big ideas that are shaping the future. We also love providing platforms for great causes as well. And when you can combine big ideas, big scientific ideas that are shaping the future with great causes, that's where we love to live at that intersection. So we're very excited today uh, to bring you a SALT talk on community impact uh, with two great speakers, the first of which I will introduce to you now. Uh, we're very excited to welcome Paula Schneider to SALT Talks. Paula is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Susan G. Komen, the world's leading nonprofit source of funding for the fight against breast cancer, serving millions of patients in more than 60 countries and helping to, to reduce the breast cancer mortality rate by 40% since 1989. Now, Paula is responsible for the strategic direction and day-to-day -day operation of Komen's multi-million dollar research, community health, public policy advocacy, and global programs. Uh, for her, it's not just business, it's personal, because Paula herself is a breast cancer survivor and her own mother died of metastatic breast cancer. She's been featured as a, as a speaker at thought leadership forums uh, such as Fortune's Most Powerful Women Summit, at the Milken Institute's Future of Health Summit. Uh, Paul, Paula was also named as one of Los Angeles Business Journal's 500 Most Influential People for 2016, and garnered the National Association of Women's Business Owners Inspiration Award in 2010. Hosting today's talk is Anthony Scaramucci, the founder and managing partner of Skybridge Capital, which is a global alternative investment firm. Anthony is also the chairman of SALT. And with that, I'll turn it over to Anthony for the interview. Uh, th John, thank you. Pa Paula, thank you so much for joining us. I think I wanna, I wanna start right away with your experience with breast cancer and how it led you to this Susan G. Komen Foundation. Yeah, you know, there's sort of a silver lining, right? Because nobody wants to have breast cancer, but it did set the stage for my future endeavors. And <clears throat> I, was, uh, I was in fashion my whole career and running some pretty major fashion organizations all throughout uh, Los Angeles and global organizations. And and uh, in my, I had breast cancer in, 20, um, in 2007. And uh, my mom had died of breast cancer shortly after I got it. So, you know, and I have two daughters, so enough said. Um, I made this massive pivot because I was actually getting an award for being one of the top female retailers in the country. And um, when I got up to give a speech, I was supposed to give a speech about empowerment. And it was supposed to relate back to something that was empowering about retail. And I had nothing. So I got up and I started to talk about being the most physically or the most empowered when I was the least physically powerful when I had breast cancer, because there, you have to have some sort of grace that allows you to take uh, help from people when you have breast cancer. And that was one of those moments in life. I got up, I got my speech. I sat back down to a friend of mine who was CEO of another big company. And um, she's, she had just received a, an email from some recruiters for in Dallas that had asked if she knew of anyone that would be interested in becoming the CEO of Susan G. Komen. And so she asked me, would you ever consider doing that? And I said, yes, I would. And literally that was uh, on a 
Thursday, Friday, I made the decision I was going to go forward. I was running a publicly traded company. On Monday, I gave notice. I didn't even have an interview. But to me, I just decided that, that I didn't care if I sold one more pair of jeans to Bloomingdale's. And if I wanted to do something that was really meaningful for me, I was going to have to start. So I did. And it took uh, you know a few months of, uh, of discussions back and forth. But ultimately, I started here. And it's been the best move I could have ever made. And so it's, a, it's an amazing story about purpose and finding your dream job. I, uh, I'll, I'll segue for a second. My One of my closest friends after 9-11 had retired from Goldman Sachs. Uh, 66 people died in 9-11. Uh, he went to volunteer for the company. I mean, obviously 3,000 people died, but in this one specific company, Sandler O'Neill, and he went there uh, to help rebuild that company and help the survivors and their families. And it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of his life. And so uh, congratulations on what you're doing. But can you tell us how your experience as a survivor has shaped your leadership at the Coleman Foundation? Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's the part of being a survivor, like you've walked in their shoes, right? Other than having metastatic disease, which thank God I don't. Um, I have gone through all of the treatments and they were rough. I have gone through, um, you know, literally the year of living dangerously, I call it, which is, you know, I had a double mastectomy. I had, uh, I think it was 40 rounds of, of um, radiation. I had chemo for six months uh, and it was a very aggressive form of cancer. And so these are the things that, you know, that once you've been through, you really understand what people are feeling and how to, um, how to make a difference. And we are a patient-centered organization. You know, we are an advocacy organization for patients. So I, it's, it's easier for me to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk because I know what people have gone through and I know what it means. So, and I know what the devastation that it causes to families. Um, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones that got out on the other side and hopefully, you know, the more work we do, the more opportunities we have for more families to stay intact and not lose their moms. And, and dads get breast cancer too. Men get breast cancer too. It's a far smaller percentage, but still it happens. So for me, it was, it, it's a personal thing of being able to bring my experience, my real life experience to the cause. Let, let, let's talk about the pandemic for a second. Uh, how has the pandemic changed treatment protocols, if any, how has it changed diagnostics, if any, uh, give us the landscape of operating in a uh, pandemic uh, for breast cancer patients and their therapeutic uh, potential uh, yeah. outcomes and so forth. Yeah, if you think about it, you know, cancer isn't canceled, folks, just letting you know that right off. Um, there's about 40 to 70% less cancer diagnoses going on right now. And that doesn't mean that it's because they don't exist. It means because people are not getting the, the, the screening that they need to be able to get a diagnosis. So for all the women that are out there that are listening to this, or all of the gentlemen that are out there that are, have wives or girlfriends that uh, are in the age of getting breast or in the age of getting screenings, you got to put your big girl panties on and go. And because the outcomes will be, we will have a very big breast cancer boom after um, people are less afraid to go back to their doctors. So it, it's, it's really bad. Um, and it's not just breast cancer, it's all kinds of cancers and the screenings that, that it takes because you know to have that many people, almost half as many diagnosis, that just means that, that it'll be further along by the time it's diagnosis. 
by the time it's diagnosed. So don't let yourself be in that position. Your, your uh, um, plans over the next five years to grow and expand the foundation and the awareness that you guys are achieving in breast cancer. Tell us a little bit about that, Paula, because I think you, you, you are a great visionary. Yeah, well, these are tough times for any kind of philanthropic organization. You know, most philanthropic organizations have about, I'd say there's about 80% that have only six months of runway. So there will not be um, a lot of philanthropic organizations that survive the, uh, the world of COVID. We're going to be on the other side of it. Um, so it's, it's looking out and seeing what we do. There's no one that would take the place of Coleman, right? Because we've had our fingerprints on every major breakthrough that's ever happened. We still have, we sort of have three legs of the stool. We still, we have research because nothing is gonna cure cancer other than research. I usually say nothing cures cancer other than cash because cash pays for research, but nothing will cure cancer other than research. We have over 250 research projects that are going. Most of them are on metastasis because it's not the cancer that kills you, it's when it spreads. So that's part one of our sort of three-legged stool. And we have some really, really interesting um, uh, programs that we're working on there, and some of which we're actually putting together ourselves for our own Coleman-led research, where we have um, a registry of, of patients that are giving us their genomic and their genetic information, because we have, we're sort of the trust broker, and we have the ability to be able to get to the best scientists in the world. And there's a lot of information out there, but it's siloed, and we are the ones that can share and we can get that information to the top scientists in the world to do their jobs to really figure out why does cancer metastasize. So that's a big part of what we're doing, and that is actually using a lot of technology to do so um, by building this, this um, pretty massive patient registry that allows us to, to get that information. And it's not, that's just one part of what we call our common health cloud which is um, the ability of, you know, of, of following a patient all the way through their journey. And what you hope to find is that, that um, people will care about their breast health before they need help, right? So, and going through um, the world of having breast cancer and understanding what that means, and this is where I can use my personal experience again, Anthony, is, is uh, I had one woman that helped me out through my journey and her, she was my patient navigator. And on average, if you will have breast cancer, you have between 11 and 14 doctors. It's extremely complicated. If, even if you are educated and you have the, the funds and you have good insurance and all the great support system, all the things that I had, it's, it's still incredibly complicated. So there was this woman that helped me and her name was uh, Susan and she was my patient navigator that helped me navigate this really, really complex world and helped me figure out as a thought leader, what, what is the best treatment plan for me? Who are the best doctors that are out there, et cetera. And I wanna replicate that for, for, women at Com for women that are going through the journey and that Komen can help them with in creating a um, patient navigation app that allows women, whether you're in the rural Mississippi or whether you're in New York City to be able to sort of use it like telemed where you take this person with you into your doctor's office and you have the ability to have someone else listen to what's happening in your treatment schedule and what are the best things that you can do. So I think that there's there's a lot of ways that we're using technology to help us through and it's easier to scale. So I think that that's um, you know one of the one of the more important things for us is being able to use technology in our research in our own research project because we could really crack the code. So that's one. 
And then the third part is, is um, or the second part is advocacy. Uh, we've, we have about 11 state-led bills that have happened uh, to improve women's health care that have been passed that are Komen-led bills in the last 12 months. And there's a boatload to say about women in pink with pitchforks because we're really powerful and we bring it. So that's really exciting for us. And then the third is all of the work that we do in communities. And you know, many of you have probably seen a walk or a run because we bring over a million people together annually, or we did before the, the COVID pandemic to do walks and runs, um, but we're still doing them virtually. But the, in, in, in communities, uh, we have a very big African-American health equity initiative that isn't just the flavor of the month for us. This is something that we have been working on for years and years where on average, if you're black and you get breast cancer versus me, you're 40% more likely to die. And that's just the average. And in some cities, it goes up to like 75%. Um, and DC is, is one of them. Um, we have DC, LA, we have uh, Dallas, we have Philadelphia, uh, you know, Memphis is the highest of all. These are not little podunk cities. These are major cities where there should be more opportunity to get people to the healthcare that exists. And if you did that, we'd probably decrease deaths by about 30%. So a lot of the work we do in community, we're using technology to enable our work in community. We do a lot in, um, in inequities in our community work. So it's, you know, it's a, a pretty robust 360 degree uh, view of how we help women with breast cancer. So Susan, jumping in here, you mentioned that uh, Wait, it's people Paula, of color. Because it's Susan G. Oh, Komen, but people do that. I almost all did that. I almost <laughs> did that when I read the introduction, and I and I stopped myself. No worries, uh, Paula. Uh, but Susan, obviously, we hold in very my high middle name, well. so that's helpful. Can we, yeah, can we just stop for a second, Paula? I sure. am savoring the mistake <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Perfect just made. Okay, so can we just oh, man. allow that yeah, to just marinate the end of it now? In the, in the, over uh, the internet, let's just let it marinate. Okay, it's like a symphony to me. Go ahead, Darcy. My webinar hosting career was taking off until that. I'm never going to live that. So that moment. Yeah. Oh, uh, you will you I will never it. forget that. John, Susan, Darcy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask Paula. I'm almost going to do it again. It's art. Paula, you mentioned yeah. the stat uh, about people of color, African-American women in particular, who I believe the stat is that 40%, they're 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than white women. We see similar statistics as it relates to COVID-19. You know, there's a variety of different factors that, that lead that to be the case. Why is the percentage uh, of mortality so much higher with black women than it is for white women? And what is Komen doing uh, in addition to those uh, technology initiatives you, you mentioned uh, to address sort of that inequality and, and allow people to get uh, both the right prevention and the right treatment for their breast cancer? Yeah, there's a lot of factors, right? Um, you know, there's first and, first and foremost, it's um, where you live shouldn't determine whether you live, what you look like shouldn't determine whether you live. Uh, a lot of times in the African-American communities that there's later diagnosis, it's a more, uh, and, and the type of breast cancer can be much more difficult to cure. Um, so there's, there's that, then there's the cultural implications of actually talking about your breasts. We did, we did a whole thing on know your girls, right? And it was sort of a play on words, right? Because it's know these girls, it's know you, because you, your sisterhood and your friends, and you know all about your friends and your, your mothers and your aunties and all of those. But how well do you know these girls? And that was a, you know, a, a, a really successful campaign about it. 
for us in the African-American community because, you know, you have to be able to talk about it. We have to history tools that can look at your family history to see what, you, you know, what, what are the, um, the challenges that your family might have. So it's looking at every aspect of why. And there's a lot of reasons that are, are very apparent. And then there's a lot of reasons that are underlying causes. When we have these, this, these 10 cities that we're working in, we've done a, like a full blown landscape analysis as to the why. Because it's not just handing people vouchers for mammograms and then it all goes away because it doesn't, we've tried that. But we had a, um, we had a pilot in Chicago that we helped fund that had you know, looked at what, what's the story behind the story? Why is it not happening? Where, why are all these disparities happening? And this was specifically that there was a challenge in reading mammograms correctly in, in some of the clinics in the south side of Chicago where they were under, um, they, were, they were actually lessening the amount of people that had breast cancer. They weren't, they weren't reading them correctly. So we have to look at why. And, and then, then there's interventions that are specific interventions for each of these cities. So it becomes, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very hard work. It's very expensive work, but it's work that actually saves lives on the ground every single day. Yeah, and, and just an important note, and this is personal for me, my wife's grandfather actually died of breast cancer. So my wife's family on her dad's side have actually spent a lot of time and resources uh, educating the public about male breast cancer as well. You know, I think uh, women, I, I don't know the statistics around it, but women are the, the majority of breast cancer cases. 7%-ish, you know. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, male breast cancer is a real thing. Um, yeah. and, and it's important and, that and, people and, are educated around that too. Your genetic information is really important. Like if you are a, if you're Ashkenazi Jew, uh, you have a one in, um, I think it's 40, one in 40 to, to carry the BRCA gene mutation, which then means that you can pass it on to your children. And, and then, you know, they have a 50% chance of getting the BRCA gene mutation if, you know, you're, you're one parent. So on your side, you may want to look into that. Any, anytime that there's um, breast cancer in your family, you want to figure out the information, right? Because knowledge is power. You can yeah. make all kinds of great decisions if you know. It's scary, right? I get it. I, you know, when I go in for my, my um, you know, MRIs that I have to get regularly and my heart pounds before I go because I know I don't want the outcome to be bad, but you know what? I'd rather know. And yeah. there's so much opportunity now to get genetic testing and to be able to tell if there's anything that you're predisposed to so that you can do something about it. Yeah, I feel just anecdotally that I see a lot more people getting sort of preemptive uh, mastectomies, you know, where having that knowledge allows you to get out in front of it. And rather than living your life in fear that every time you go to the doctor, uh, you're going to get that bad news that there's a pretty significant percentage that you're going to get. You just go ahead and, and get out ahead of it and, and prevent yourself from having to live with that type of fear. And, it, and it's significant. Like if you carry the BRCA gene mutations, it could be up to 60 to 80% that you will get either, um, you know, breast or ovarian or both in your lifetime, right? So right. it's good for you to know that. And if you do know that, then you have the opportunity to do something about it because there are a lot of prophylactic, like Angelina Jolie was one that, that made a lot of news, right? Because she yeah. carries the gene and therefore she has a lot of, uh, she, did, she did the prophylactic mastectomy. I was really happy to see that because it brought it out in, into the public. I mean, I, I talk to women that are doing it all day long, every day, but right. you know, it is important, right? Who wants to live like that? And then, you know, you have to live scan to scan and be concerned about everything that you do and how long, you know, 
how long, when is it going to hit me? And it's always better to be, to take the prophylactic approach. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone needs to go out and get a mastectomy if you, if you carry the BRCA gene mutation. You have to talk to your doctors. But, you know, listen to the guidance and figure out what is the best, what is the best opportunity for you. Yeah. Uh, one last question before we get into how people can help uh, support Susan G. Komen. A big part of what you guys do is you're very effective at developing new partnerships. Could you tell us uh, what you've done in the past in terms of developing partnerships and what you plan to do going forward? Yeah, there's a lot of ways that we do partnerships. Like, you know, I'll use a couple of examples here. Um, we want to be, we worked really hard in being more transformational than transactional. Like, I'm very happy if there's a partner out there that would like to give us a pin pad, you know, where you give money at the end of the, uh, uh, you know, your transaction. And that's wonderful because, again, nothing's going to cure cancer other than cash. Um, but what we did was we, we, we worked on a really wonderful partnership with Wal, Walgreens. And Walgreens uh, has given us the money, this, the beginnings of the money. We still have to raise more to build our patient registry. And that's the patient registry where we're gonna get 10,000 women to join and give us their genomic and genetic information. And if we do that, that's a significant data set. And it allows us to be able to uh, give that information and slice and dice it any way we want to the top scientists in the world that can actually help, you know, find a way to cure um, cancer from metastasizing. So we could crack the code. And, you know, and again, because we are, a trust broker and because we're neutral, all we care about, I mean, the only thing I care about is figuring out ways that my daughters are never going to get this and your wives and daughters are never going to get it, right? So if we can figure that out, then there's there's ways for us to work with the top people in the world to do that. So that's like a transformational partnership that we have. The other partnerships, there's many partnerships that we have where we are working with um, with different companies with on our African-American um, health equity initiative. Right. And it seems to be it resonate more now because, you know, of all the world that's happened in the last six months or year. But this is something that we've been working on for a long time. And I think that uh, leaders need to stand up and they need to figure out ways that they can participate. And it's not like giving Juneteenth off. It's, you know, this this can't be symbolic. If you're going to say you're doing something, do something. So we provide turnkey ways that organizations or businesses can help and really be effective in saving lives every single day. So our African-American Health Equity Initiative is one of our biggest initiatives that we have going. And it's one that is gaining more and more um, notoriety and more strength because you know it's, it's very um, sort of cutting edge, but helping people right now today. So anyone who wants to help with that, we got, we got a place for you. All right. Fantastic. You guys are like an API for philanthropy. Exactly that. right. <laughs> Susan, before we talk about donations and how people can donate, I just have a question. I realize that neither of us are doctors, but when people call you and say, okay, are there things I can do to prevent breast cancer if possible, or is it a genetic disposition or what, what, what does the foundation typically say to people as it relates to uh, breast cancer prevent, prevention, if anything? Well, you know, I would say going back to my own diagnosis, I was in my 40s. Um, that was before my mom had it for the first time. And I don't carry the, the BRCA gene mutation. And I, you know, an athlete and I eat healthy and all. I wasn't a candidate, right? 
but everyone is a candidate. The two things that make you a candidate are being a woman and getting older. So everyone is a candidate. And there isn't, you know, certainly there's, there's if you have a genetic mutation, there's a predisposition for it, but it is kind of luck of the draw. Now we know um, a lot of alcohol isn't good. We know a lot of sugar isn't good, but there's, there's very few things like specific things that you can do that will ward it off, if you will, right? So it, it really is just something that more research is gonna have to be done so that we can understand what is the cause, what is the root cause and how do we stop it? So, you know, if you're out there, you're one in eight and one in eight will get it in their lifetime. Right, right. And, and, and so how do we donate? What do we do ah, to increase well. the awareness? So how do we how do we get you more money? Because I do think you're right. The research obviously is the cure, but you need the money first. So so how do we do that? How do we help? If you just go to Komen.org, there's always a donate button. It's very helpful for us. And you know, know that, that the work that we do is really, really, really impactful. Um, you know, the, one of the we've had our our fingers on our fingerprints, if you will, on almost every major breakthrough that's ever happened in breast cancer for the last 35 years. I've been with the company three years. For me, it's the greatest role in the world and the most meaningful. But, you know, there are real life things that that have come out of this. Like there was a study that we did um, that Cohen was in, invested in called the Taylor X study. And this is one that was led by one of our head doctors in our scientific advisory board at Stanford, who's an amazing, amazing human being where we looked at whether or not all women had to have chemotherapy for breast cancer, right? And, and it was determined that there's about 70% of women that didn't need chemotherapy. Do you know what the difference now, now that people have that information and you have to go to your doctor, it's not like you can determine you don't need chemotherapy, right? It, it's where you fall on a scale and it's all very specific. But the fact that so many women now do not have to have chemotherapy, because that's a bitch. I mean, it's the, it's like the hardest thing that I have ever done and I'm tough as nails. So it's one of those things that these are real life impacts that happen because of the work that we do at Komen. We save lives every day and we make life more pleasant for those who have to go through this journey. So if you, you know, if you feel it and you, and you care about any of the issues that we brought up, it's at Komen.org, or if you are running a corporation or an organization, that, that wants to partner with us, we have many, many ways to partner. We, con we are in contact with 30 million people a year through our organization. And, you know, and that's a huge community that we have that we can bring. Anything else from you, Mr. Millennial, who- No, they got Paula's <laughs> name. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan, for yeah, joining thank you, us Susan. Oh my God, that's so good. It is so rich <laughs> for me. I just have to tell you, it is literally like eating I a like box. that too. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like eating a box of chocolates. Like I just got to tell I you, it's, it. so, it's so rich for me. It's so he's, enjoyable. He's never going to hear the end of it. No, I never. I mean, that. forget about it. I mean, he knows I have a 10-year shelf life on most <laughs> things that he does that are improbable. Uh, so, but gas, gas drive you know, ratings. In all, in all seriousness, though, the, the work that you're doing is so inspiring to so many different people. And unfortunately... I would say just about everybody on this call, everybody that's listening to us and everybody that will listen to us, unfortunately, has been touched by either the scare of breast cancer or the unfortunate tragedy of breast cancer. So I'm just encouraging everybody to give. Of course, we will through our foundation uh, and personally. 
I just want to thank you so much uh, for all the great work that you're doing. Yeah, and thanks for letting me talk about the work we do because I'm pretty sure that people have seen the women in pink and the walks and the runs, but you know, and, and a lot of people think it stops there. It does. That's just the beginning. That's just one of the mechanisms that we have to bring our community together to raise money so that we can work on all of these aspects all at once. So appreciate the platform, guys. And um, yeah, really, well, you've, done, you've done an amazing job of increasing awareness. And even though I brought baby Yoda with me today, <laughs> you have crushed us on Room Raider as well. Okay, so that must be your your fashion. No, this, is, this is not a, like, look, when I go like this, this is my actual office, right? I designed. Oh, I, I love the wallpaper and the, uh, the shutters. I mean, it's just it's a great look. And I love the fact that uh, you're beating John Darcy in the room rating as well. I have to tell you yeah. that's also something. Well, that's not very hard if you look at his room rating. Uh, I'm in a sterile office that nobody's here yeah. because of COVID. Okay. So it's not very hard to beat me, but at least she didn't have to donate money to the person in charge of room rating to get 10 out of 10, Anthony. That's true. I'm, I, am the, I am the Jared Kushner of room rating. I have to admit okay. that, okay? It, that the way he got into Harvard, I got my 10 out of 10. Okay, just want to let everybody know. All right, so go ahead, Darcy. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to today's SALT Talk uh, with Paula Schneider of the Susan G. Komen Foundation, uh, a fantastic mission. Anthony and I are both married with daughters, so it's a cause that's near and dear to our heart, um, especially given our, our family history and my wife's history with her grandfather, uh, who passed from male breast cancer as well. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Just by tuning in and learning more, I think you're, you're doing a great thing. And spread the word about what uh, Komen is doing, Komen.org. As uh, Paula mentioned, a lot of philanthropic organizations are struggling during the pandemic uh, because of lack of engagement in physical events. You know, people are used to the, the Komen walks uh, as well as people are struggling financially. So any help you can provide in this great mission is very much appreciated. Uh, just a reminder, if you missed any part of this talk or any of our other talks, uh, we have other talks focused on business as well as focused on philanthropy, including one coming up uh, with Dr. Jonathan Simons of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. You can watch all of our past talks and sign up for all of our future talks at salt.org backslash talks. And again, please spread the word. I say that after every episode, but this one is uh, incredibly important that you spread the word about this talk and about this cause. Uh, and please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Uh, with that, this is John Darcy from SALT signing off for today. We'll see you back here again soon on SALT Talks.